is the friend of little children. Jesus' friends were arguing. Who was the most important helper in God's kingdom, they wanted to know. I am, James said. No, you're not, said Peter. I am. Nonsense, Matthew said. I am the cleverest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, no, am too. This silliness went on and on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had started thinking they had to do something to make themselves special to Jesus. That if they were the cleverest or the nicest or something, Jesus would like them best. But they had forgotten something. Something God had been teaching his people all through the years. That no matter how clever you are, or how good you are, or how rich you are, or how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference. Because God's love is a gift. And, as anyone will tell you, the whole thing about a gift is it's free. All you have to do is reach out your hands and take it. So, while Jesus' friends were arguing, some people who knew all about getting gifts, in fact you might say they were gift experts, had come to see Jesus. Who were they? They were little children. Jesus' helpers tried to send them away. Uh, Jesus doesn't have time for you, they said. He's uh, too tired. But they were wrong. Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you had been there, what do you think? Would you have had to line up quietly to see Jesus? Do you think uh, Jesus would have asked you how good you'd been before he'd give you a hug? Would you have had to be on your best behaviour and get uh, dressed up and not speak until you're spoken to? Hmm? Or would you have done just what these children did? Run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up in his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and then sit you on his lap and listen to your stories and your chats. You see, Jesus, ch children love Jesus and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was to run into his arms. And so that's just what they did. Well, after all the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, no matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart, full of trust in God. Be like these children. They are the most important in my kingdom.
to bring this story because there's a couple of bits I just wanted to pull out of it. Let's just read it in the NIV so that we can hear how it is from uh, Mark chapter 10 and verse 13. People were bringing the little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. I tell you the truth, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And he took the children in his arms, he put his hands on them, and he blessed them. A couple of things I just want to pull out. Let the little children come unto me. This word, come unto me, is dute in the Greek. don't normally bring a bit of Greek in a uh, third Sunday, but there you go. I, I couldn't resist this one. Um, it's an urgent word in the Greek. It, it's a compelling word. It's a word saying, uh, come on in. Come on in. Come and sit down. Come and spend time with me. It's a kind of uh, trying to get through to them to say that it's important to me. I want you to come. God is excited in this tone. Because sometimes you read this and you might say, you know, come unto me as though God is kind of indifferent. But it's not like that. It's a really hospitable word. It's a really excited word in the Greek. And it's used for when people uh, invite guests into their home spontaneously because they have uh, appreciated meeting someone. And they really want someone to come in and share in their homes. And where I've encountered this most in my life is actually being amongst Arabic culture. I don't know if you've ever spent time in North Africa or in the Middle East and you've been amongst Arabic families, but time and time again, when I've been in Morocco, when I've been in Egypt, when I've been in Sinai, uh, or in Israel, whenever I've been amongst Arabic people, they're always like, come, come in, come in, sit down, sit down, let me feed you. You can't say no. Some of these guys... Seriously, if you said no, it would be such a great offence. Because it's part of their culture. They want you to come in. They want to sit down and share life with you. They want to feed you. They'll give you their bed, give them half a chance. Because they just want to show hospitality. It's been in their culture for millennia. And so, it's a bit like that. You hear it in in these words. Jesus is saying, come, come, sit down, sit down. Let's spend some time together. Can I get you a drink? He's excited about spending time. And he's trying to share something about what the Father's like. God is not indifferent. He, he loves us to come. He will make every opportunity for us to come. He will try and get hold of us and bring us in if he possibly can to spend time with him. And so I love that. I love that that word is in there. And the second thing was this. Truly I tell you, any, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. It's funny, I, have, I spend quite a lot of my life with little children, and uh, it's amazing how much they'll believe you, how much they'll trust you. Sometimes it feels like um, almost a, a too, too much of a weighty responsibility that they'll trust you that much. And actually, they don't need very much in order to trust you and believe most things that you say. They need a little bit of warmth from you. They need to, to know that you appreciate them, that you love them. A little bit of warmth goes a very long way with children. They also need a little bit of attention. They need you to prioritize them and to make time for them uh, and not be distracted and be 
I've learned on your phone when you're supposed to be spending nice time with them. That can be a real problem these days, I think. So they just need a little bit of attention. And they also need to know that you don't break your promises. Because children are pretty good at remembering what you've promised to do and what you haven't promised to do, aren't they? They've got pretty good fair se- fairness sensors. And uh, they will let you know if you said you were going to do something and you didn't do it. If you can do those things, generally they will uh, trust you at, at a reckless level. Sometimes I've abused this. I remember a time when, you know that little orange button in your car for your four-way warning lights? I told one of my daughters that that blew the car up if she pressed it. (laughs) And it was only when her little sister, some years later, pressed it, and she thought that the car was going to go, and just some lights flashed, that she got quite cross with me. I won't say which daughter it is. (laughs) But they will. They'll believe you when you tell them things. And that puts a tremendous responsibility on us. But it also says something to me about how I believe God. Sometimes our minds get in the way, in the most tremendous way when we grow up. When we become all adults and we want to know all things. And sometimes we kind of feel like we want to be able to fathom the mysteries of the universe before we can trust him. Whereas Jesus is saying it's never going to be like that. You're never going to know all the answers. You're never going to be able to pin down all of the mysteries of the universe, all of the reasons why things happen. There is so many unknowns. There are so many things that is left not understood until we get to the other side. And so Jesus is saying, you've got to be like little children. If God is warm towards you, if God prioritizes you and gives time to you, gives you his attention, And if he keeps his promises, it is enough. It should be enough. Jesus is saying we've got to have reckless faith. Reckless trust in God. We have to believe in him based on how he's been towards us. Not just because we understand the complexities of everything in our lives. We enter the heaven when we trust him in that way. going to share communion together in light of what a great father we have and in light of how God has prepared this way in the same way that he didn't want the children to be hindered from coming to him he wanted nothing to get in their way so that they could come right in close and enjoy fellowship with him he has removed every barrier for us through what he did on the cross he's dealt with our sin He's dealt with everything that would separate us so that we can come close, just like those children in the story, and to know intimacy with God. And so, because we've got kids in here with us as well, I just want to explain the story of communion again in a little bit. So this is what happened. Jesus was about to go to the cross. He was about to undergo some pain extreme pain in his body because he was going to be beaten up by the Roman soldiers and then they were going to hang him on the cross and his body was going to be broken. And so before all of that happened, before he had all of that pain and struggle and trauma, he gathered his friends together just like this, just like we are in the room today. And he wanted to give himself freely to them before going through that trauma. And so he took a piece of bread Okay, kids, you're watching. 
This is what Jesus did. On the night before he suffered, he took a piece of bread, and it was as though the bread somehow symbolized Jesus' body and Jesus' life. And he said to his friends, he said, this is what's going to happen to me. And he broke the bread in front of them. And he said, my body is going to be broken. And I'm going to do that for you. And then he said to them, I want each of you to take it and eat it. Share it amongst yourselves. Because this is like my body. This is like my life, which is broken. And it's for you. And then after supper, he took the cup as well. And he said, you see this cup? This cup is a bit like the blood that is going to pour out of my body when I die. And it's going to pour out so that we can know forgiveness, so that we can be made right with God, so that we can know a friendship with God. He said, this is the cup of the new covenant. And that basically meant, this is the cup of the new deal between us, between his friends that were in the room and between us now. He said, this is like the cup of the new friendship, which can be amazing because of what I'm about to do. And he said, drink it, all of you. And as you do it, remember me. And that's why we do this here in church. That's why we break bread together. That's why we share wine together here in church. Because when we do that, it's like we understand he's with us in a very special way. So in a moment, we're going to share communion together. And I just want you to, to encourage you all just to remember that he did this so that we could be more conscious that he is truly here with us and to bring us close. I don't know if you knew that close intimacy with your fathers, but I can tell you that God wants that close intimacy with you by the power of the Holy Spirit. And he does that in the most extraordinary way through this simple act of sharing bread and wine. So let's, let's be open to him and let's allow ourselves to come to him spiritually and be gathered up because he's a good father and he wants to do so. Amen.